Welcome to Box Up Banter, where we are less than 10 games away from the playoffs for most teams. I am Chris Okamura. Joining me as always, Mr. Jordan Christmas. How's it going, Jordan? Like I was saying before we got on to record, I feel fucking fantastic. <laughs> this this man, this this newly uh this newly Trey Lance super fan. Yep, it's day one, ac- day one actually. You know, been a long time. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, I am happy that, and I did it. I did this on my other podcast, so I'm not gonna inundate listeners with a bunch of niner takes here but i am just happy that my beloved team did not fuck it up you don't (laughs) you don't don't trade that much draft capital to go from number 12 to the third overall pick in the draft to draft mac jones you draft a quarterback with upside and that's what we did with trey lance and i and you know i wavered a little bit chris i'm not gonna lie i wavered a little bit a few days before the draft because i was like there's no way the mac jones reports are real the niners don't leak anything it's usually people who are reporting it or probably they're sourcing it from executives or whoever they talk around the league with not within the 49ers and then the mac jones noise just got louder and louder and then the day of the draft on thursday trey lance noise started you know coming about and i started to gain a glimmer of hope but if you could just picture this for a second i had the tv on my I have a sliding glass door that goes to my backyard. I had the blinds open and I was just sitting there or not sitting there. I was standing there staring out the sliding glass door w- window with my arms crossed with the sound on in the background, looking like a movie villain or some shit, <laughs> just, lis- <laughs> just listening. And I did not hear the name Mac Jones when the, when the pick was announced and I'm happy. And now, honestly, I'm I am bought into Trey Lance. I would have been fine with Justin Fields or Trey Lance, but I, I wanted I, Justin I Fields like Lance more than Fields. Too. Oh, you like you like Lance more than Fields? Yeah. Okay. You see, I wanted Fields just because he was a little, probably a bit more starter ready and more accurate, while yeah. also being athletic and a big arm. But Trey Lance is like ten percent physically more impressive and more of an upside. Yeah. So for me, when you think about like, and this is like really. Let me preface this. When we're talking about prospects at this level, we're really nitpicking. Oh, yeah, of course. Because, like, so for me, and I don't know if you'll get this reference, but uh, Justin Fields has, like, this hitch in his throwing motion that yeah, looks like Vic Young to me. It looks like he cocks back, and it, it's like a hitch. And it to me, anytime I see that kind of hitch, it just reminds me of Vince Young, and I just never liked Vince Young's throwing motion. And so for me, it just it just rubs me the wrong way when I watch him. Of like, it it bothers me, and it's such a nitpicky thing where I'm just like, yeah, I take it Trey Lance. It just, looks, it just looks cleaner to me. He just looks cleaner as a as a quarterback. And again, the resume for Fields is incredible. His ta- he's still a talented quarterback. That but like when you're talking about incredible nit- too, yeah, when you're just talking about nitpicky things, oh yeah, like obviously obviously Trevor Lawrence is on another level. I think he's like incredible. I think he he's absolutely insane but i think like trey lance to me has like the raw potential to be the best better. Out of this class yeah yeah and what coach better to try to 
think you can pull that out of than Kyle Shanahan. I can already see like a baseline yeah. floor of like, at least while Lance might not be accurate and his footwork may be off sometimes, I already know Kyle Shanahan is going to scheme people open and leverage Trey Lance's running ability and his arm. Because with Jimmy G, we didn't have the deep sideline throw or the throws beyond the intermediate. So yeah. I'm happy. And, Basically, I'm and, happy. And also, this isn't a sob story for Mac Jones. Mac Jones ended up with the perfect court coach for his skill style quarterback. That's what I was saying. Mac Jones is a scored, good, court, short, good player. The short, intermediate, like, dink and dunk passing game Throw with is his wheelhouse. Accuracy, that's all Belichick's wheelhouse. It's incredible. He couldn't have gone to a better place for him. Yep, yep. But So, uh, again, this isn't, a, this isn't an NBA, this isn't yeah. an NFL podcast, but, <laughs> but this was a big know, deal. Your boy is happy. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, you know, uh, Jordan's in a good mood. Can't say um, the same probably about Shiu lately, though. <laughs> it's uh, It's been rough. It's been rough. So, I mean, I guess let's dive into the Laker talk real quick. The... Uh, man, I don't even know where to start. So, well, obviously... Let's start with the three... Well, let's just start step by step. So, you guys are on a three-game losing streak right now. You guys lost but to the like, Wizards. Well, bad I mean, losses. Bad losses. And you guys lost to the Wizards without LeBron. LeBron came back, lost to the fucking Sacramento Kings without De'Aaron Fox or Harrison Barnes. Probably the two, the well, not probably, definitely the two Kings' best two players. And, of course, you throw in Halliburton in there. But you guys lost to the Kings. And then you guys lose to the Raptors, who I don't even know if they're tanking or not anymore. They sit players, then they play Kyle Lowry and Siakam, and then... They both went off against you guys yesterday, but let's just start with let's just let's just give you the floor. Like, what is Anthony Davis? Is Anthony Davis? I know he's not playing defense right now, but is he playing not to get hurt? Like, is Le, did LeBron come back like, too soon? It's getting so it you're looked, cutting it close. It's almost playoffs. it looks to me. This reminds me so much of the 2010-2011 season, where. If you remember that season, the Lakers coming off three straight finals runs. They won the last two. Oh, right? yep. yeah. And then that last season, you would get you would get that championship level in stretches, but like everyone was just waiting for them to turn it on in the playoffs. Because like that's happened. what championship teams do, right? They turn it on in the playoffs. That's like what is expected of championship teams. And then it just never happens. And then that's the year they got blown up by the Mavericks. And then that's when Bynum body slammed jj barea elbowed him right <laughs> in the rib cage midair yeah um so like to me it feels so much like that season but it also at the same time feels like the beginning of the bubble because the lakers looked like this at the beginning of the bubble yes yeah those first eight games and it looked like the lakers were just trying to play themselves into shape and like and then they turn it on in the playoffs so like to me it's so up in the air the only thing that i can think of is like because I don't know if you've watched any of these games. They there's quarters where they look unstoppable. Yeah, there's quarters where it, like LeBron's throwing dimes and Anthony Davis is cutting the basket and they're playing lockdown D and they're locking people up. Like, this is the Lakers team we all. You're had like, yeah, here we go. And then all the of a sudden, then they go to halftime and you're like, they have a shitty first quarter. They're like, so Lakers are always slow starters. You've watched enough Lakers games where they slurk. They go down ten every game. Yep. So then second quarter, they do this amazing thing. They turn it around, they tie the game up, or they close the gap, 
and you're like, great, second half, easy win. If they keep playing like this, easy. And then they just come out like garbage the second half. And then it's the kind of thing where you go, well, what are they? Are they saving their energy? Are they scared of getting hurt? Or like whatever, what what's going on? And are they going to be able to turn it on? Or is this just who they are? And it's such an interesting thing to look at where like LeBron – I don't know if you heard the co- the post game comments from last night. It's the one where LeBron said the plan was trash, but there's a lot of comments he said around that. Came up, quote, whoever came up with that shit needs to be fired. Yeah, which I have thoughts about, but we can talk about that later. The <laughs> the but like com- like uh, Kuzma brought up the idea that he feels like Gasol should be playing more, which, which is I, completely. I, I, I agree I with. I 100% agree with. 100%. Over Andre Drummond? Fuck yeah. Like, I yeah. was I was going to ask you about Coach Vogel's uh, rotations because it seems like Wes Matthews is in and out of the lineup. He hasn't – he's been DMP'd, I think, yeah. five out of the last six games. Marcus Gasol's getting uh, – riding the pine for Andre, Drum- uh, for Andre Drummond, who – To LeBron- me, it comes – Oh, sorry. Go it ahead. Comes down to, it comes down to a thing where I think Vogel has too many toys. Yeah, and you kind of kind of gave them one too many too. Yeah, like they just have too many toys, and like I love Taylor Horton Tucker. I think he's great. I think he's going to be really good as he develops, and I think he's I think he's worth keeping, especially given like that we. I don't think like everyone start everyone when this stuff happens, it always goes to the thing of like, well, we should have traded everyone for Kyle Lowry, and it's like Kyle Lowry does not fix all of these problems. Yeah, these no, are these are these are like separate issues from Kyle Lowry. So, like, to me, I think THC is a great piece. I think he's important. I don't he's a know. If I would, prospect that I wouldn't trust in the playoff rotation yet. I wouldn't trust him over Wesley Matthews here. Like, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> yep. And, and again, Vogel, Vogel did say, like, yeah, he said last night, we're not trying to test things out. We're trying to win games, which I don't believe. Because just looking at the, the way the minutes are spread out, too, like, he's not. Would it make sense based on his rotations? Yeah, and so, look, I don't know. Vogel showed last year in the playoffs that his rota- he's willing to tighten up his rotations and really make huge changes in the playoffs for series, like for different series. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, and, and he was great at it. And so I have faith in him to be able to do that. And Vogel's I don't... Vogel's always been a good coach. Yeah. Like, he always has been. So I, I don't doubt that. I don't, I don't doubt that at all. I, and I trust him that way. It, again... From what I'm seeing now, though, there is some cause for worry. They don't obviously don't want to be in the plan, but our la- our next our last games, right? Like looking at our last eight games: Nuggets, Clippers, Blazers, Suns, Knicks, Rockets, Pacers, Pelicans. Those last three games are easily winnable. But the first how five. The, how about the Knicks in. being a part of that gauntlet now? <laughs> yeah, because those are tough games. And the thing is that all of these teams are still playing for seeding. Yep. Yep. These aren't like these aren't like gimme games. Yeah, because the Nuggets are still three. The Nuggets have been incredible since Murray's in since Murray's injury, and I yeah, very Jokic, odd. And I think Jokic has sealed up the MVP at this point. But the Nuggets are three games behind the number one seed. The Clippers are also in the mix. Like there is still games to be played. So it's not like the Lakers are getting the back end of a normal April uh, April regular season game here. Like this is gonna be a tough stretch for you guys. Yeah, definitely. And I'm just, you know, we all year, I, I, I kind of feel this way with Brooklyn too, but 
um, we're just waiting for them to coalesce, to coalesce. Well, and the Lakers, you know, they were we were kind of waiting for them to kind of, you know, not not snap out of the coasting because I know they had to make it to the playoffs. But like I figured by the end of the year, they were going to get the number one seed if everybody stayed healthy. But then obviously that didn't happen. And then we're like, okay, let's give the Lakers like a week and a half, two weeks when AD and LeBron come back. And it has not looked good. Like, and I'm starting to wonder, like, when does that benefit of the doubt go away? I don't know if the benefit of the doubt will ever go away for LeBron, but what about the other guys on the roster? Um, and still figuring out, like, what's your guys' best closing lineup? D- how many DMPs will Harold get in the playoffs if you guys make it out of the play? No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, what what about, you know, even – and here I was going to say something about Drummond earlier, but I don't – I know LeBron will definitely pull some stuff out of Drummond that he hasn't necessarily done before on any other team context – but he's still not a good player, like a winning player. Like, he hardly tries on defense. The, it, Drummond's one of those frustrating players where it's like, oh, if the motor runs high, it's good. Okay, he had the motor ran high for one year, and he made the all-star team, and then for, like, a month in Cleveland. And then, aside from that, it's been, I wouldn't say empty calorie rebounds, because I don't want to sound like one of those guys, but... He's not a winning player, and he doesn't produce in a winning context. And he should not be playing over Marcus All. And I know Laker. There, it's funny. I see. I you know I follow a good con- amount of people who are tapped into Lakers Twitter. It seems like there's a civil war among among your your fan base over Marcus All because they just see oh Marcus All averages like three points a game, and he's long in the tooth. Marcus All is in the right place as always defensively he is a good passer from the high post I mean where where was the stuff early in the season when Marcus all was hitting LeBron for back doors and stuff like that and he's a cleaner fit with Anthony Davis although you ideally want to have Anthony Davis at the five at the end of the day when you're closing lineups in the playoffs but Marcus Saul should absolutely be playing over Drummond and but because the the whole clutch thing and all that stuff the thing that we'll say about Drummond is I don't necessarily believe, like there's some clips going around from especially from the game last night where Drummond is in the right spot. It's just a lack of effort from Anthony Davis and LeBron that like leaves him out to dry. Oh yeah, he, they're not absolved from this either. And like there there's a lot going on with them where I kind of watch and go, man, I don't know where they're standing or like where like obviously I give them a little leeway because of the injuries and because of everything that's been going on. But at the same time, like, man, I don't know quite what's happening with us defensively. And I'll, so this – someone brought up a good point, and, and I honestly think this is true. If LeBron and AD don't play these last three games, I think we win them. You think you have a better shot at winning them? No, like these last three games that we lost, I oh, think we yeah. win these games if, Le, if LeBron and AD just didn't play. Yeah, because – well, yeah, from a – uh, I like a familiarity and chemistry standpoint, like being used to not playing without those guys for a bit. And, um, and, um, I could definitely see why you would say that. Um, I just think, well, obviously, I mean, you know this, but LeBron and Anthony Davis need to, they need to whip oh, it into important. shape before the playoffs. Yeah. They it's are, important. Ob- yeah, obviously. I'm not arguing I'm, that they shouldn't have played. I'm oh, just yeah, saying yeah. like, if they I know what you're play, saying. We yeah. would have won. 
Yeah. Like these are these, these are, are very winnable. winnable games. Like there's no way you shouldn't have lost to the Kings without the player that I mentioned they were missing. Obviously, there's no easy game in the NBA, but the these are as as gimme games as you can, as get, you can for get. Team as well. as, for the for a team as as high caliber as the Lakers. This is as as gimme wins as you can get. I don't think the Wizards are as much of a gimme win because they've been on fire lately, and Russell yeah, sure. Westbrook has been a beast again for a month and a half at least. But totally you're, right. Fair. you're you're right. You like the the it just seemed like there was a it's a dumb fan thing to think, but I think because it Ryan Ryan Rosillo actually kind of brought up this point last night on the BS podcast. And I love it when those two are on, even though I disagree with half the stuff they say. But the point of okay, LeBron and Anthony Davis are out, and the Lakers they still have this standard. They still have this, you know, re- prerequisite of play that they like to see and it seemed like they were living up to that and they were playing really way better than I thought they would without LeBron and Anthony Davis I didn't I think they went basically 500 so um and you know they were getting good play out of all those guys stepping up and you know trying to fill in and so I definitely see why they definitely see your point they definitely would have had at least on those particular nights a better shot at winning but it's man i'm it's, it's looking rough it's, it's looking rough and if the lakers fall into the play-in and then what if the lakers and the clippers play in the first round like oh man this i'm telling you this this play-in has uh made things interesting i'm not not gonna lie even though uh your boy and luka Doncic, you know and mark cuban all of a sudden all of a sudden when they're in it oh the play-in's not cool anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is something I wanted to bring up, and I don't know how you feel about it. I personally, I hate when you complain about something or you don't complain about something, and you're all for it until it affects you. Yep, and that then you're I like, totally with it. you. <laughs> and it's like, dude, come on, you voted for it. Everyone liked it. I think even LeBron earlier in the season was like kind of for it, and then now that we're in it, he's like, yeah, this is fucking bullshit. whoever came up with that shit needs to be fired that was an actual quote and it's like it's like i i texted my friend yesterday or i you know dm'd my friend on twitter i sent him that a quote that lebron said and i was like just a lame-o like that's just that's a lame-o statement to say like and i said that with luca too like and mark cuban like first of all the owners voted on this shit and then the players agreed to this shit and I know there's probably yeah. some there and I'm not that's not to say there probably wasn't hand wringing on either side from some people or whatever. But for the most part, we all knew the rules going in. We all knew the Lakers were going to be the favorite. But now that they are all of a sudden losing and they're in a three way tie with the Mavs and the Blazers for that uh, seventh seed, which is the first play in spot. It all of a sudden it's not cool anymore. Like, come on, that that's that's weak. Like I, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I hate to do that uh, hot takey sports radio thing, but that that's weak, my dude. Yeah, I'm pretty uh like salty. That's salty. I'm just like kind of like this is some bullshit. <laughs> but uh, I mean, so what do you, what do you, what, so what do you foresee the next few weeks then? Because Anthony Davis, like I said, it just looks like some of it. I think he's not playing defense just effort wise, but also I think some of it is he's playing not to get injured. I mean. He basically it what when did he, he said that his a lot of it is not injured because he's not jumping. Yeah, like, like he's just not jumping. 
Yeah, he's not as the movements just aren't the same. And I think he said um before he came back for the first game, um he said like, you know, he heard a tear and he had never felt that in his life and that's scary considering that that's in the Achilles area. So it's 100% like I don't I don't blame him at all, but also like it, the Lakers are kind of in this disadvantageous position where they have to avoid the play in but LeBron and Anthony Davis are still clearly trying to come back. LeBron's out tonight with a sore ankle as ESPN is doing this. I you know, I'm going to I'm going to watch uh I'm going to watch a few quarters of it and see how it is, but like the the, oh, whole the Marvel, Marvel thing? the whole Marvel thing, I I don't I'm pretty excited. You're you're excited? I'm pretty excited because I'm a Marvel fan. I like oh, it. I am too. I love. I'm a. I'm a nerd, but I. I don't know about. I don't know about this. So well, I guess I should me, enjoy it because I do like mixing my nerd shit in basketball in, into my YouTube videos. But I don't know. It just the concept seems weird. But I, I'm gonna check it out. You know, before I do the old man shit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, I'm so. I'll check it out. Yeah. It, uh, to me, it's just a thing of hey. If you're an NBA, because there's a regular broadcast too. So hey, if you're a regular fan, and ESPN is watch the regular. Yeah, just just watch the regular broadcast. And yeah. then hey, if if you're a casual fan but you like Marvel, cool. Here's this new kind of cool thing they're doing, this fun thing. And hey, you never know what kind of new fans it's gonna bring in. And you know, I think it's a fun, it's a fun test and experiment to try, right? I guess I'm just not ready for the 1,000 mentions on the broadcast of comparing zion to thanos <laughs> the low hanging the low hanging fruit stuff <laughs> yeah steph curry captain america or no hawkeye oh. hawkeye actually <laughs> yeah hawkeye hawkeye's perfect oh my goodness that's great <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should do what the jump did earlier today they had a J- jason concepcion on um noted host of binge watch when he was with the ringer but now he does all caps nba for crooked media he was on the jump and they him and rachel nichols did a all nba team of marvel characters maybe we should do that actually <laughs> one of these days yeah i'm down <laughs> i'd be i'd be down we could do one of marvel characters and or anime characters whichever one uh, i'm in speaking of powerhouses did you catch the bucks nets game yesterday uh no i did not Oh man, you missed a really good game. Like you missed a playoff level game. Like, and also I learned a bit more about the Bucks. You know, I said earlier in the year that I'm not scared of the Bucks. Um, I wanted to see if their experimentation during the regular season would work. I want to see if you know, I wanted to see if Mike Budenholzer was willing to evolve. He's evolved in some areas, but he's still very terrible in a few others. Like, you know, who to close out with. Um, rotations but he is trying more switching and all that stuff i have to say i actually think i actually think the i think the bucks are well i said this a few weeks ago but i i have been feeling that the bucks are just square right in the middle with the sixers and the nets for the coming out of the east and i think for a few reasons one um i think people underestimate because everybody wants to talk about, you know, what will happen when Giannis faces a team that can build a wall around the rim. And, you know, that's a, that's a fair point. But the only two teams in the East with that kind of – that had that kind of personnel to do that were the Raptors and the Heat. And then, you know, the Heat lost some key elite wings. You basically have to have a stable of elite wings, which is what the Heat and Raptors had. So those two teams are out. So now you – 
the Nets, they showed yesterday that they cannot, will not, and do not have an answer for Giannis. Um, whether it be single coverage, I think even if they change their coverage in the playoffs, they won't have an answer for Giannis, nor do they have the personnel to build a wall because they have a bunch of skinny wings and they're too small for that um, and too and not strong enough for that. And really, the Sixers, the only coverage they can throw is we're going to put Embiid on Giannis, which I feel pretty good about, but Giannis has also won his battles with Embiid in those type of coverages and other games in the past. Um, and then another reason is I have to give credit to Giannis. He's really improved as a basketball player. Um, he's become a better passer than he was already like a average, average, you know, some nights good passer, but I think he's just a good passer. He knows how to instead. I have seen a lot more this year, you know, in the past where he would try to drive into two or three people and, you know, it would work in the regular season, but he would still get stonewalled sometimes a lot of those drives now are manipulative and he'll go up three dudes will collapse on him and he'll kick it out uh, to the opposite corner or the, you know, next man open. Um, he's obviously more comfortable taking the mid ranger this year. Now, obviously yesterday was a special case. I don't think, I think teams are still going to live with him shooting a mid ranger, but he has a spot now, it seems like, with the mid-range. And he has a go-to hook move in the post. He just He's added a few things that I think that can counter defenses. And also, the simple fact, Drew Holiday is one of the best players in the NBA point-blank period. Um, I think he's the one of the best two-way guards. I think he's the best perimeter guard defender in the NBA at the guard position. And he can guard one through three, clearly one through three, even as a guard. And Chris Middleton is a top 20 player. Like, he's really good. Like, he's a 50-40-90 guy, and he can play really good defense. And their defense has been coming around. So, I like the Bucks, man. Um, well, I want to Do you to like see... them more than um, the top, the, the Nets or the Sixers? I have to say, I think in a series with the Sixers, it would be, it could go, I think it's a, that's a coin toss. But against the Nets, um, are you, I mean, you know my feelings on the Nets. I think the Nets are still the favorite, but I th I would pick the Nets in the series. But I think that series is a lot closer than people will think um, just because of the Nets' defensive personnel. And I do think the Bucks' big three is a legitimate big three. Like, not that I never thought that. I just wanted to see how their evolution was throughout the season. And I'm impressed. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what say <Fair> you? <laughs> no, I I totally agree. I think my my only concern is always like playoffs come and the game slows down. Is Gian like Giannis's full power and his full potential still comes in the half in the full in the in the in the fast break game? Mm -hmm. And so, and so much of what they do, it is predicated around Giannis in that full court and getting out and running. I don't know if in a in a series, if I trust their half court offense enough or more than I do the Nets or the Sixers. That's fair. Um, I do think their half court offense has gotten better, but yeah, you're you're right. If I had to rank the half court options in a half court offense for the playoff teams, I would obviously you would go the Nets because. <laughs> 
of those and three guys. Insane. They can just give the ball to anyone. They could literally give the ball to anyone. I think the Sixers, because they have Joel Embiid, um, he can – I think at this – with the face-up game that Joel Embiid has added and the fact that he's shooting like Dirk from mid-range now, I think that opens up so much because the question is, can a back-to-the-basket center, you know, be a – half court option in the playoffs or a viable a consistent viable one well he can do that but he can also face up and blow by you know whoever's guarding him triple teams you can't stop him either um but the question is you know can outside of the celtics which chris middleton kills in the playoffs all the time can chris middleton do it consistently in the half court can drew holiday do it consistently in the half court and i think they've shown so far this year that they can now we'll see in the playoffs obviously um and i also think like i mentioned earlier i think they have a few more counters to run in the half court this year just because drew holiday isn't eric bledsoe right but you know the half court the half court offense that's a fair concern i still have my concerns about it too and mike budenholzer because i'm telling if you go to bucks twitter during games man They kill Bud, man. And I and I'm someone who used to be high on Bud but came off of him the last few years just because it's like my man's you can't play Giannis 33 minutes in a playoff game and think it's a normal road. He's like, oh, I'm just sticking with my normal rotation. Like, nah, dog. <laughs> like what? You got to be playing your stars. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see if they learn. But I think they are smack dab. I think they're uh, right there with. If I had to put the Nets 1A, then probably the Sixers and the Bucks are right there between them, uh, I have to say. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I think that, to me, it it also comes down to Bud's adjustments. I don't know if – I haven't – regular season, I don't see him making adjustments. And so in the playoffs, I don't, I'd see him just getting outcoached all the time. Yeah, no, that's, that so, is one of my fears. <laughs> you know, so again, there's I just have more concerns with – the bucks than any any other team here mm. uh when we're talking about the favorites yeah right i don't put them there in it's terms almost like of with the draft prospects so that we were talking earlier yeah. like it's nitpicky yeah, at this we're, point we're but... nitpicking at this point but yeah it, it it is sort of uh concerning but i think it's I mean, one of those things now where like if the bucks made it to the nba finals i wouldn't be surprised you know like, I, w- I think i would still be surprised I I see some I see some pathways uh, for the Bucks at least. Uh, I still well, I would be shocked in the sense that okay maybe the Nets didn't pull it together, but I if either if either of these teams Philly Brooklyn or the Bucks got out of the East I I wouldn't be shocked. Shocking would be like if the Jazz made it to the finals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help. Saw, I couldn't help myself there. If you don't make the finals, I'll shit my pants. Uh, <laughs> It'll be a very stinky podcast because I will too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Here's another question I wanted to ask you because I think we've, you know, we've sung our praises about the Suns on this podcast. Um, we we were bullish on the Suns. You were probably you you dove in a little bit deeper into the deep end than I did when you said the Suns could be in the Western Conference Finals. I wish I had a you know not chickened out and dove in further with you on that, but the MVP discussion is very it's very interesting because it it's is a, Jokic, there's no question it's it's Jokic, but like basically what I'm asking is because there are people who seem to think that 
Chris Paul should be the MVP. And so, oh, so it sounds like we're going to be on the same page here then. It's Jokic. So, so this, is, this is the thing with the Chris Paul argument. I have a hard time. I understand Chris Paul's importance. I really do. And we, we, me and you both love Chris Paul. It's why we jumped on the Suns and we love the Suns so much. But I have a hard time because there's a difference between the best player on a team and the most important player on a team. And for mm-hmm. me, it's hard to give someone the MVP when they are not the best player on their team. Yeah. That's where it comes down. Because to me, it's still... I think it's, it's Booker. I th- yeah, it's Booker. But I think in some ways you could say Chris Paul too, just because he's... Him and I Booker have both been, both been clutch. I think but, more but I think Booker's the best player. Yeah. Yeah. And also, when, the team itself is incredible. Like... Yeah. Cam Johnson has been playing well off the bench. Jay Crowder. Mikel Bridges is going to get fucking paid this summer like a madman. Um, yes. DeAndre Ayton has realized that he's not going to be the 20 and 10 guy. I'm going to be the 15 and 10 guy and be the anchor of a defense. And he's been playing really well. Like that whole Suns team as a cohesive unit. I think Chris Paul, is, like you said, he's the most important player. He's the guy who brought everyone together. Um, like, I made this joke a bunch of times already, but the rug in the big Lebowski just brings the brings the entire team together. Yeah, but Jokic is the MVP, dog. Like, let's just like I know Kendrick Perkins earlier today was mad because everybody was saying like, "Oh, it's clear now, it's clear," and P- Perk got mad because everybody was saying that Jokic is the clear MVP. He's the clear MVP, and yes, Sixer fans, I know it kills me too that Joel Embiid missing games robbed him of visit the MVP because I thought Joel Embiid was the MVP before he went down. But dude, it's not just the durability. It's the fact that Jokic is having a transcendent offensive season. Like the the fact that they are nine and one since Murray's injury, I don't know how any more clear you could get than that for in terms of, you know, an MVP case. In the game since Murray has been gone, since the Golden State game, he's played 10 games, 9-1. and one. Jokic is still averaging 26.6 points per game, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 58% shooting from the field, and 38% from three, and 88% from the foul line at nearly 7 attempts per game. The guy is a monster, like yeah. he's he's an absolute monster, and it's not just like oh he's the best passing big in NBA history. He might be one of the best passers like ever by when it's all said and done by the end of his career. Because I think he's claimed the best passing big title pretty easily. Yeah, I think I think, but it, for me it was a toss up between him and Walton for a while. But I think it's I think it's pretty much done. Yeah, because Jokic is a, has been a point center for the last. Yeah. <laughs> three years now basically basically since the Nurkic I, trade I'm of the belief that if Walton played today he would be but yeah given production and what they're actually able to do you'd have to give it to you well Walton is the only guy to win an MVP with playing 59 games like that was that was yeah. theoretically Joel Embiid's pathway right or there was the precedent if he were to yeah. still be in the conversation it was like well look at Bill Walton but I do. I do want to talk about this. I do want to bring this up <laughs> while we're on the topic. I feel like Bill Walton gets a lot of slander and a lot of like lack of respect just because a lot of people didn't see him play, and he had a very short prime of his career. 
and he's a, and he's an analyst that is uh, eccentric. Oh, I love Bill Walton. (laughs) Yeah, like people, you know, he's polarizing. Some people, some people hate Bill Walton, but like, I think we sell Bill Walton short just given his short his injury troubles and like his kind of the way his career went. Mm -hmm. Bill Walton is one of the greatest players of all time, and only and showed it and proved it in only like three years. Yeah, that two year run specifically with the Blazers was. That that's like when uh that's like when a star in space is like shining really brightly and then it just fizzles out because it's shining too bright. Yeah. Compared to the other compared to the other stars and all that. And that's what Bill Walton was. He had such a peak that was supernova. And then unfortunately back then, we didn't have the medical advancements and research on foot injuries, especially foot injuries on seven footers. That's why Ralph Sampson's career he mm-hmm. had like really four another one. Who? Yeah, Samson was another one. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, Samson. Um, there's a few others too. Uh, but just we didn't have that much information back then on how to deal with lower extremity injuries on big guys, and it sucks because Walton was an incredible passer. I I don't want to forget Arvidas Sabonis, but nobody saw Arvidas Sabonis until he came over in yeah when he was like 35 years old in Portland. Like nobody. Yeah. I can't- imagine young Sabonis what he was like but yeah the, you yeah USSR Sabonis on the national yeah. team yeah like, but like, you could see you could see Walton's passing even when he was in Boston yeah. like when he was a six you, man just imagine that younger and more athletic and he could score and play defense and like do everything else but he had that, that same level of passing ability and so like to me when you when you just take players like that and you put them in today's game I think they Walton could be Jokic today if like prime Walton could have been Jokic today, but again, given given what Jokic is doing now, you have to say it's Jokic. Yeah, um, and the, and like I said, the Nuggets are three games in back of the now number one seeded Phoenix Suns. By the way, I forgot yeah. to mention that even though the Suns and the Jazz are tied in record, the Suns are have the tiebreaker. Um, the Nuggets are three games back, and like you said, there are plenty of games left still, even you know right before the play-in. So if the Suns and the Jazz stumble here and there, and the Nuggets keep winning and Jokic keeps Jokicing everywhere, then the Nuggets could be the number one seed, and then he'll really solidify the MVP. But I think yeah. it's at this point, it's, it's at this point the I'm at the it's not a well probably last week i came around to it but i'm definitely now at the it's not a debate stage of the mvp and i think it's uh i clearly think it's jokic sorry chris paul we we love chris paul i thought he should have been the mvp in 08 over kobe um personally i thought kobe won mvp in the wrong year probably should have won it over steve nash although i do think People blindly say that Steve Nash wrongly won back-to-back MVPs without ever going back and looking at the context and the stats and all that stuff. Nash oh. was deserving, but yeah, Nash was deserving of one of them. But Kobe, Kobe had one. The I think it's oh six was Kobe's year. Oh five oh six. Yeah, yeah. He de- so, Kobe, that was Kobe's strongest case. Yeah, I thought Chris Paul should have won it in a oh eight. But look, I'm not taking anything away from Chris Paul. The fact that he is a small guard doing this at age, what is he, 35? That's an anomaly, dude. Like, and wherever he goes, they the team wins. Oklahoma City stinks. Well, especially since Shea Gilgis Alexander went down. They stink. And, you know, when he was on the Thunder, they were winning. He left, they stink. 
the Suns, although I thought they were talented last year and the Aiton suspension really derailed their season kind of in a lot of ways that I think people don't talk about, they weren't a good team. And Chris no. Paul comes there, brings instant credibility to the team. Well, I, to be fair, I think the Sun, Chris Paul is the perfect person to bring in, first yeah. of all. Uh, if yeah. you want to bring it up. I do think the Suns were trending up, and I think the Suns oh, yeah. needed – they just needed a leader and, like, a veteran presence, which they tried to fill with Ricky Rubio, which is not <laughs> the right person. But I think if you just give them some kind of – Right uh, idea, veteran, wrong player type of player. Yeah. Like I think I think if you bring in like a he's retired, but like a like a like a Derek Fisher or like you know just a veteran leader, like if you gave them Rondo, I think that works. Not as well as Chris Paul. No, but yeah. I think no, I don't think they're first in the I don't think they're first in the West. They're a with playoff Rondo. team. I think they're like a, they're a playoff team and trending upwards with. Yeah. Because, like you said, they were trending upwards last year. I can't let you slip with that Derek Fisher comment. I'm sorry, Derek. <laughs> Derek Fisher can't. I'm sorry. Like, even when Derek Fisher went to the Young Thunder, he didn't even help that much, and he shouldn't. He no. shouldn't have been. And I, I don't mean in terms of play. I mean I in know. terms of like kind of the veteran presence, the veteran presence, the know-how, how to work every day, and all that yeah. stuff. They got all that mixed in one with CP3, who is still yeah. a top 15 player some fucking how. <laughs> Chris Paul's going to make an all-NBA team this year, again. Do, do, do you remember when the Rockets signed him to that big deal? And all of us, me included. Me, were me like, included. <laughs> we killed everyone. I, everyone killed that deal. Everyone. And, and I... Even Suns fans now, back then, they killed that deal. Everybody killed that deal. It was like, what are you doing? You're giving a max contract to a 32-year-old point guard, and Chris Paul has been absolutely worth the max. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty insane to think about. Like, we, we talk about LeBron and his durability and longevity, which is incredible. Carl Malone. Um, was also a notable, durable person, Michael Jordan or whatever. Chris Paul is special in his own right because small guards typically don't age well at all. Just look at past examples. One I witnessed myself, Allen Iverson. Well, Small guards is, don't age well. And Chris we, brought, Paul, we, brought this up, we brought this up before, and, and we brought this up a couple times, actually. I think, to me, it's a thing where small guards – 90% of small guards are based off their athleticism and quickness because it's a, they have to survive. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul is very much not that kind of player. Yeah. Well, yeah, since his meniscus injury, what was it, his fourth year in New Orleans? Because he missed like almost a whole season yeah. uh, in New Orleans with a meniscus injury. Before that, Chris Paul was athletic. Like he was one of the fastest point guards in the NBA. He dunked on Dwight Howard. Like, yeah. He, he was dunking on dudes, like blowing by dudes, and then when his meniscus injury happened, like you could tell his speed was noticeably down. Continue. Or you could tell his a uh, speed was noticeably down, but he was still Chris Paul in a lot of ways. And so I think from that point on, he's kind of just learned to play like at his own pace, and it's incredible. And so, like you said, like he's used to not, you know, jumping the highest. Or, um, you know, being the fastest, he's methodical, he gets to his spots, he's a mid-range god, and 
he's still good to, to this point. He did dunk in the All-Star game this year, I think, he which did. was wild. <laughs> it was wild. It was him and Steph did back-to-back wobs. <laughs> yeah, so the thing to me is where Chris Paul is is most important to the Suns is that half-court offense. Like I said, when they have yep. – when everything slows down, he's able to turn DeAndre Ayton into a force in the half-court. When yep. you watch – in the half when you watch DeAndre Ayton in the half court with Chris Paul in that pick and roll, it's terrifying mm-hmm. because he's able to utilize that athleticism. DeAndre Ayton can shoot a little bit, but he has DeAndre Ayton's body, he has like the supreme body control where he's slipping that pick and roll and getting to the basket and diving to the basket and picking up lobs and like all kinds. He's just a great all-around finisher with his in the in the basket when he's running that pick and roll with Chris Paul because Chris Paul's getting him the ball exactly where he needs to get it. Yeah, and Every time. and I just think there is like the little things in basketball, you know, that that are very translatable to pick up. It's the simple things like DeAndre Ayton's doing all the hard work. He gets the rebound. He finishes the defensive possession with the rebound, kicks it up to Chris Paul, and he's running the floor hard. And Chris Paul's like, you know play call be damned I'm going to get eight in the ball because he worked his ass off and it's just simple things like that the the know-how how to play winning basketball like understanding your teammates how they tick and all that stuff that's what Chris Paul brings do you want to know the speaking of the half court offense do you want to know um the Suns uh offensive rating in the half court per cleaning the glass no give me give me the numbers so 6,000 possessions on the dot, 6,000 possessions. They have a 117 offensive rating in the half court. That is the 80th percentile. So it goes back to what you're saying. When you have mid-range gods like Chris Paul and Devin Booker that can get whatever shot they want, it makes everything else so much easier. And the cool thing is, as the year has gone on, um when it's like Booker is learning how to anchor lineups without Chris Paul on the court. And that's the true mark of a star. So Devin Booker has played over 1300 possessions without Chris Paul on the court and the Suns in the half court have a 122 offensive rating, which is pretty, pretty good. And that's why I'm so bullish on the Suns in the playoffs, unless they face the Lakers in the first round, because the Lakers' front line is just going to decimate the Suns' thin front line. Anybody else? I am very confident if I'm a Suns fan going into a, my uh, my uh, friend and avid listener, George. Shout out, George. Um, he is a huge Suns fan. Um, I texted him, and I was like, I really – he was like – if he, or he texted me, he was like – if the Suns face the Lakers in the first round, this is going to be a fucking nightmare. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I am not I am not uh, bullish on your guys' front line versus the Lakers. He's like, I know. That's the only team I'm freak. So even when the Lakers are falling apart, just know that your team is still feared. <laughs> yeah. It's, but I, uh... like, I love the Suns, man. I love what they've done all year. Great offense, great defense. It has all come together. And uh, I'm happy for Suns fans. Definitely. I think it's been a long time coming and like I love the Suns Suns fan base is great. They're the opposite of jazz fans where I actually really enjoy <laughs> enjoy Suns fans. We're like 
uh, even, even during, during the, the rivalry, the peak even of the rivalry. You're always the, a great team to like go back and forth with because there's a like there's a level of respect between the two fan bases. Yeah. Um, and you know there's a little there's a level of respect there, and there's a level of um. There, you don't lie. There's also like that big big brother thing with the Lakers. Like, yeah, we yeah. got a bunch of rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at the same time, it's just this sort of thing where it's like, yeah, okay, I we we respect what we're able to do. The the battles were great. Like some of my favorite memories are watching that sun. That Suns, uh, that's I think 07 Suns series where Kobe hits the game winner mm-hmm. was one of my all time favorite moments of all time. Wait, was that the uh, same series where Kobe refused to shoot and made it a point not to shoot in game seven? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to bring that up. But like, you know, it, that, that whole game, that whole series was like such a high octane uh, series, too. Yeah, just one of my favorite memories of like watching basketball growing up. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, I, I have a special place in my heart for Suns fans. And, like, I'm glad that they have this. I love Steve and, Nash, one of my favorite players. I, I hope it's it's Lakers, Suns in the in the Western Conference Finals because that would be so much fun to watch. Yeah, and not the first round because I, I want to see the Suns. Go, I do kind of want to see how the Suns fare in a semi-playoff run. I don't, I don't want to see them get eliminated in the first round. That would be such a dud. <laughs> that would be such a, like, buzzkill even though it would be compelling. Um, I think Lakers Clippers for all the chaos would be really fun in the first round. It'd be a disaster for both teams. It'd be code red for the organizations. They're like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> We're both in the first round, but you know, I can only hope. Uh, I'm just excited for, um, you know, I'm excited for the playoffs, man. Like uh, the regular season, it's been up and down. I'm not going to lie. There's been a lot of blowouts. I don't know if you've read any articles about, like, you know, the insane amount of 20-point blowouts we've had this year and stuff. Yeah. I'm just looking forward to see fans in seats. I'm looking forward to seeing games with real stakes. And I'm excited for the playing tournament. And Adam Silver actually did something right for once <laughs> and added a playing tournament. Um, now people are actually seeing – you know, how overrated as hell Adam Silver is as a commissioner now. But, you know, welcome to the party. But he did do something right. And uh, the play-in tournament has brought intrigue, you know. It, like, we have, we we talked about it, I think, last week. We were talking about sardine cans for the last two episodes <laughs> about the sardine can in terms of the race for the play-in, the race of the cup. Ladder here. What's up? We have a sardine can in every, the entire thing is, is a sardine can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. But um, mainly the play-in is like, okay, what's good? Like, if LeBron and Steph are playing each other in the play-in, like, the league isn't going to change shit after that. They're going to be like, oh, no, we're keeping this. I hope the yeah. league keeps it. Yeah, so do I. I, I, I like it a lot. I, not, think it's yeah. add, I, I think it just adds a ton. And, again, I think the thing that Lakers fans and, like, I think the thing, like like a lot of Lakers fans are freaking out because, to be honest, I think a lot of casual Lakers fans just didn't give a shit about the plane because they were like, we're not going to be in there anyway. Who cares? And then uh, <laughs> I think now that they're looking at it, they don't understand. Like a lot of people were saying, well, I don't tr- like do you do you do you want to leave our fate into like a like a winner takes all one game thing? I was like, no, dude. Lakers only have to win one game. They get two chances to win one game. Yep. Also, um, th- also it's, it's very. Different. It also, it comes to a point where if you're the title favorite and you don't beat one of these bottom-feeding teams in the play-in, then 
you don't deserve to go deep into the playoffs. Like, you lost. Like, because you lost to a bad team. And maybe you shouldn't have been a champ. Like, maybe you shouldn't have been in the what not in the playoffs but you get what i'm saying like if you want to win the championship if you're a championship favorite you beat down those teams anyway so it really shouldn't even matter yeah <laughs> you know again to me it, it, all that matters is that ad and lebron are 100 and because if they're not 100 then it doesn't matter so yeah like to me it, i'm at the point of uh acceptance in my depression where it's just like look whatever <laughs> happens happens if they're a hundred percent, then great. If they're not, then not our year. It it just didn't the the balls didn't bounce our way. That's how but, I felt on Wednesday when I was resigned to the fact that Mac Jones might be a 49er. <laughs> <laughs> I was just sitting there in my couch just with my head down, depressed, just like shit. <laughs> might as well accept it. <laughs> uh so oh, I did want to bring this up too. Uh Lamella Ball's back. Diamond yes. up. Yes. Um if Lame- so Lamelo obviously he's gonna. He threw an underhanded ninety-four oh, foot pass on a dime. <laughs> on a dime, who does that? <laughs> Lamelo Ball. Um, oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> if Lamelo if Lamelo comes back, obviously if he's back, so if he comes in and he wins, I, like if if the, he plays, if he continues to play this way, the last down the stretch, the last eight nine games, I think he's obviously rookie of the year i think he's rookie of the i think he's i think he's still rookie of the year and i hate doing that because i think tyrese halliburton was making this a race again while Lamelo was out but if Lamelo plays well these last 10 games it has to be Lamelo. i can't sit here and say that you know joel Embiid should have been rookie of the year over fucking malcolm brogdon even though Embiid should have played even though Embiid played 30 games and then you know, reverse it and say, oh, LaMelo didn't play that many games or whatever. Like, LaMelo's been the best rookie this year. Like, that's what the award is. It's the best rookie. And Tyrese Halliburton did make it a race, I thought, legitimately for the first 30, 35 games of the season or before LaMelo started, definitely. But LaMelo's the best rookie. And the horn, like we were saying earlier, the Hornets got a good one. But now our, you know, the stock of our pods back up. Lamelo's back, so that means there's more Lamelo ball talk. And <laughs> I'm really interested to see where he is the next two years because with his ceiling, like, remember, I'm not gonna compare Lamelo to this player because I know how you know shit can get clipped out of context and stuff like that. But when by the time Chris Paul was in his third year in the league, he was already recognized as the best point guard in the NBA. Although there was yeah. a year where I would argue Darren Williams, but you know, Chris Paul fans will definitely fire back at me for even saying that. There's this discussion. I always took Chris Paul, but there was definitely a discussion. Darren Williams was Darren Williams um, was sick. Yeah. Like, but I think LaMelo Ball in the next two years, he might just he might Burge's way into that conversation into this in the same way. There's a lot more point guards now. There's a lot more. There's a lot of great point guards now, but yeah, Lamelo's skill set. And if he keeps shooting the three ball like this, like how can you not say he won't be in the conversation in the next few years if you think he's going to get better? Yep. So obviously, uh, Lonzo just I, had I his. Think, I think you sort of said that. Um, yeah. a few episodes ago, although you said it as a rookie, I wasn't willing to go that far, but I could see the trajectory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think there is a, so also Lonzo hit his career high in, uh, points a couple days ago. So congrats to Lonzo. 
Yes. Uh, we'll be rebranding this podcast to the Ball Boy Banter. <laughs> <laughs> big baller, yeah. big baller banter. Yeah, the big baller banter. The, <laughs> the Ball Boy brand. The the BBB. <laughs> Definitely you know, not wearing the shoes though. I don't want to sprain my ankle or anything. <laughs> I have a hat though. I do have a hat. Oh, you have a hat. I did not know this. <laughs> what? I have a big baller brand hat. It's a. It's the it's the triple B's, but they're Laker colors. They're yellow, purple, yellow. Oh, oh, so it's an antique hat now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, you might be able to sell that then. It might be worth something down the road. Yeah, it's a cool hat. It's a cool hat. I, uh, you know, I have I would wear that to Laker games with my uh, with my uh, with your Zo ones on. No. <laughs> no, I, I have a I have a Lonzo jersey, so I bought. I was you know. Hey man, I was all in on on Lonzo. I was... Hey, I loved I loved Lonzo at UCLA. I I still I am hoping that he can put together a a stretch for like kind of like what he did last year, like a like a longer stretch where one he's not hurt and two where he's shooting the hell out of the ball because I still believe in the. I think he's a ceiling raiser. Or we yeah. talked about this before. He's a ceiling raiser, kind of like Draymond in that sense, not a floor raiser, the guy you, you know, put a team around and, you know, expect to have a baseline level of wins. But I think he's there. That player is there, and I see it. Like, you see it for Lonzo, stretches. Lonzo is a. Lonzo is clearly a second or third best player on a championship team. That's a, that's a ceiling. I would, I would agree with that. Like, yeah. He he can you know move the ball quickly. He can hit an open shot, or that's be a ceiling at least. I think he can be a borderline all star guy and be a second or third best option on a championship team. Yeah, he got he has to be put in the uh, winning context though. And I'm glad he had his career high because you know before that before the before these last couple of games he had been struggling again. So I was uh, getting a little worried. But like like we said, we're here at the big baller brand box out banter podcast <laughs> and it's something that we talked about last week when we talked about confidence lonzo does this thing where you can tell in games where when lonzo's on and when he hits when he starts hot and he hits his first couple that's a that he's gonna go off he he has such a confidence issue when he starts driving to the basket and he starts hitting threes like he turns it on and you go oh, okay there here's the here's ucla lonzo mm-hmm. where's this every night Speaking of full court pass, do you remember that game against the Pelicans and Blazers game a few weeks back where Alonzo also threw, well, it was after the Pelicans <laughs> choked another game away yet again. And um, oh after the Blazers made the game winning free throws, Alonzo immediately grabbed the ball out of bounds and tossed it full court on a dime to Zion, who yeah. almost banked it in for the win. Like, there's just, something, there's just something about those ball brothers, man, that are just so audacious with the passes they try, especially in transition in full court, that it's just like, damn. You know, it reminds me of Jason Williams. Yeah. Where Jason Williams would just try shit where you go, no one else even thinks about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> fucking elbow behind the back pass, <laughs> stuff like that. I'm just waiting to see that from LaMelo next. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you. Anyone around our age, and and obviously the Ball brothers are younger than us, but like you know, we're still all around the same age group. Where Jason Williams formed the way that I I think about passing in the NBA. Yep. In the 
way that like magic did it for the other the older generation like jason williams was that dude for me he was, he was the guy that you know coaches that i had in you know whether it was rec as a kid or tryouts or the basketball the actual basketball teams in high school where coaches are just like yeah you shouldn't try that and then you're like but why though like jason's doing it <laughs> like those kings teams were awesome in the early 2000s like and they were on tv quite a bit especially if you lived in a uh, california you could see them play the lakers and you can also like if you got lucky with your cable you could see the kings on you know the their channel um even if you lived outside of sacramento and then of course the play like chris weber jason williams even though jason williams got jettisoned later and brought in mike bibby which made them a better team but it also made them they were this kings were still awesome but jason williams just added that extra oomph and flair that you know made kids like oh damn this is fun those kings teams were fun because they could pass at every level because chris Mm -hmm. Weber was a great passer yep should be in the Uh, hall of fame by the way yeah vlade was a great passer yep Uh, peja underrated passer like (laughs) do you i did you saw the highlight or i'm sure you've seen it or peja did that basically 75 foot behind the back pass to Bobby Jackson for the layup. Like Peja was also, Peja was a underrated player, by the way, one of the underrated shooters and players period. The spot of three guy. And I was like, no, he's not. He's not the spot of three guy. No, they, they watched new Orleans Peja where his back was broken and, you know, he withered away in Dallas. (laughs) Like they watched that Peja, not Kings Mm -hmm. Peja. (laughs) No, Kings Peja could move. He couldn't play defense at all, but he could like do everything on the offensive end. He mm-hmm. drive to the basket. He was hitting threes. He was hitting step backs before fucking uh, before Paul Pierce claimed he created the step back. Oh god, <laughs> he was doing all kinds of stuff. Paul and he Pierce pass- apparently thinks he created weed too. No, I'm kidding. But he's doing a lot of marijuana related posts because uh, after he got fired from ESPN, he posted a Instagram video. He's like, "Stay tuned." And I was like, he's going to do something with marijuana. Watch. And what do you know? There's a bunch of Instagram stories of him walking in a fucking giant greenhouse. <laughs> hey, man. When you know your wheelhouse. Hey, you go for the wheelhouse, man. I agree. Go for it. I, and and I, I am not one to judge people who smoke the devil's lettuce. But I will say that, you know. I say that sarcastically, devil's lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, when you look at those Kings teams, they are, they were a special team that just ran into Kobe Shaq. <laughs> and the refs. In yes. Game six. <laughs> but they, but yes. they ran, they ran into Kobe Shaq and they ran into Duncan. Yep. yep. I feel so bad because they should have a ring. And one year Garnett too. Yeah. Because I think it was, no. Yeah. The Lakers Wolves was well, the Western Conference Finals that year. They were going downhill at that point. They were already kind of like that was the last gas, but Garnett just took it to Weber in that series too. Um, yeah, but yeah, Chris Weber needs to be in the fucking Hall of Fame. Like it's actually kind of ridiculous that he's not, especially when well, you consider it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, not yeah. the NBA Hall of Fame. Like the he Fab should Five itself just, should be in the Hall of Fame. The Fab Five should be in there just on their own. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, obviously they'd have to agree to it, and I don't know if. Uh, Jalen and Chris will agree to that, but uh, but if we're talking anyway. about peaks, like Bill Walton had that two year peak, obviously not the same st- stratosphere. Chris Weber was one of the five best players in the league, like for three years, yeah. 
I will say though that like when you look at Chris Weber and you look at everything you could do, he should be he should have had a better career. Yeah. I think injuries after he found his way with the Kings derailed him because by the time he got to Philly, he was not the same player. Uh <clears throat> he averaged twenty, I think, the first year he got traded to Philly, but he was not the same player. Did not have the same explosiveness or any of that that made him special or besides the skills that made him special, just he lost that pop, that athleticism that he yeah. used to take advantage of other opposing bigs. And man, if he had prime Chris Weber healthy with Allen Iverson, I would have been set. You know what? I was kind of robbed low key of a better basketball viewing childhood because I got to watch Allen Iverson. He was incredible and stuff, but you know, you read stories from the past, like, the Sixers had a trade that would have sent, I think, two first-round picks and a player to the Raptors for a young T-Mac, but the Raptors got scared Dude, because they so T-Mac man. What's up? <laughs> I feel so bad for T-Mac. T-Mac is in every story, every every team, what if, <laughs> every what if. Because remember, he was almost traded. He was almost drafted to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. He was all, uh, almost Tim Duncan to the Sixers. Almost, he, Tim Duncan almost went to go play with him in Orlando. Yep, and then and he was like, "Okay, I'll go play with Grant Hill." Grant Hill only played like three games with him. Yeah, because he got he got fucked up by his back injuries. Like, bruh, I feel so oh, it was bad for Grant Hill. Oh yeah, his, his ankles. But I feel so bad for Chris for T Mac. Yeah, because gets the short end of the stick in all of these stories. <laughs> well, here's an underrated what if. What about the I'm pretty sure it was the 07 Rockets? No. The 09 Rockets. The remember that team that took the Lakers to 7 games with just Yao Ming? Yeah, that's the Ronald Test one. The that was the Ronald Test. That team was going to be really good. Dude, they had they had Ray Ralston too. Mm-hmm. They had they had a bunch of good players and T-Mac yeah, had microfracture sur- surgery, and mm-hmm. he's been a he's been a he's been a part of a few what ifs, and Yo, it kind of sucks. That year, was that the year that Chuck Hayes fucked up his teeth? I'm pretty sure that was the year. That might have been the year Chuck Hayes uh, fucked up his teeth. Because dude, that team was crazy. Because remember, they had their starting five. They had Ray Ralston. I think they had a young Kyle Lowry on the bench. Mm-hmm. Yep, they had T-Mac. They had Ron Artest, like prime defensive player of the year candidate Ron Artest. I have it in front of me. So the 08 09 Rockets finished 53 and 29. Yep. They had had Matumbo on the bench, too. Mm hmm. They had Rafer Alston, Brent Barry, Shane Battier, Aaron Brooks. um, That's right. Your your boy, Brian Cook. (laughs) Um, Chuck Chuck Hayes. Carl Landry, Kyle Lowry coming off the bench, T-Mac, Yao, Dikembe, Luis Scola, mm-hmm. and uh, Metal World. They were they were 10 deep, and I loved that team that year. And, yeah, you that's know, T-Mac, and, uh, T-Mac only played 35 games that year. And that's when the injuries start. Like, T-Mac is also, was also one of my favorite players to watch growing up, so that just sucked to see him withered like that. But now I'm reading, when you read, like, the Raptors nixed that trade to the Sixers because they were afraid that Stephen A caught wind of it and reported it. It's like, damn it, Stephen A, you're just looking up at the sky. <laughs> but uh, T Mac was incredible, man. Yeah, one of my favorite players, and just one of my favorite people too. I got to, I got a chance to meet him a couple times, just say hi. 
Oh, and really? He's just a very nice guy. Very, very nice guy. Yeah, he seems like a nice dude. I mean, come on, yeah. like that 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 cool, sleepy eyed nature. Like he looks like a cool dude. Yeah, he's a uh, <clears throat> he's, he's around in LA because he does stuff with his daughters. Yep. Doesn't he coach oh. their basketball team or something like that? Yeah. So you see him. Do you see him around at like gyms and stuff like that? So he's just around. Mm. I'm a very, very, very nice guy. So I can't wait till stuff opens back up so I can kind of uh, get back out there to cover events and stuff like that. So I can, you know. <laughs> talk to people and all that stuff and meet people because like i was saying i've said this before but like you know last season i covered king's games for the first time it was my first time covering pro sporting events at least and just being in the locker hearing you know chatter and you know talking to players and stuff like that that stuff's that that stuff's like you know give me more of that you know what i mean <laughs> like it, like it, uh vogel vogel's doing pre-game for the game tonight. Oh, yeah. He said, quote, quote, our team is a little shook right now. Oh, great. That's, a, that's exactly what you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> you got Kuzma saying, hey, put a guy in the rotation. And then you got Vogel saying, we look shook right now. Did you see that comment that LeBron said he'll never be 100% again in his career? Yeah. Okay, so that, that was something that I also wanted to talk about. Okay. I, I think, in my opinion, I think that's LeBron tempering expectation. Yeah. Oh, because, you're, going, you're going to skip Bailey's in route on this one. <laughs> like, look at Le- when you have you watched some of the games that he's been back? Yeah, the Kings games. And I, I watched both those games. Not so much the Raptors game was kind of on in the background while I was working, but the Kings game I definitely watched. There's obviously he's not 100% yet, but yeah. he in, looks exactly the same. Yeah. He's. So- his explosion is exactly the same as it was when he obviously he's not young LeBron, but he it's exactly what it was when he came when he got yeah. hurt. And I'm sure the ankle exactly. is sore and stuff like that, but he's moving the same and all that stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. I think he's just tempering expectations and like maybe this is something that he deals with the rest of his career in terms of just pain or like you know, something nagging. But mm-hmm. I don't think I think he's just like hey, don't expect me to do this for you know, whatever. I think he's just a little uh I do, I do think there is something to because high ankle sprains are usually something that don't heal until you know you're off your feet after the season because uh, yeah we've seen a lot of high ankle sprains us watching sports our entire life and it's that 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 involves like actual tendons in the upper part of your or in the upper part of your ankle the lower part of your leg and that's that is that is a bitch to deal with I never had a high ankle sprain I've had some bad ankle sprains. But I never had a high ankle sprain, so I don't know exactly how that feels like. But, you know, just obviously you watch sports forever. You read up on injuries and all that stuff. It, it High ankle sprains are nothing to mess with. Yeah. But, yes, it did sound like LeBron was, uh, you know, putting on his LeBron hat and, you know, you know, masterminding and uh, not masterminding, but definitely planting some seeds like LeBron always does. Yeah. You got anything? Uh, you got anything else you want to uh touch on? Any Laker related? You, you got it's. We're we're almost to the end. You got any things you want to get off your chest about the Lakers anymore, or you know you need a bit more therapy, or are you, are you good? <laughs> no, I think I'm good. Again, I think I'm I'm I've come to acceptance. <laughs> You're at the acceptance stage, <laughs> and I'm 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 just at the point where I'm like, okay, either we. I don't think pulling it together is the issue. 
I think it's just if LeBron and AD get healthy and we show the level of intensity, great. Otherwise, whatever, we'll go next. This season was going to be tough anyway, just given this, given the season and given like the amount of time between the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously the health was going to be our biggest concern this year. And I thought that, hey, if we can, with the added depth, just kind of keep everyone healthy, that's going to be the most important thing. Obviously, it didn't happen. And and that's kind of just how the ball rolls. And it's, there's nothing we could have did from a team or like Personal. GM to just kind of beef up our lineup even more. I think that we're in the place that we the we're in the best situation we could have been given the injuries that we've had. So, right. you know, take that as you will. For but before we go. Um... Right now, the Pelicans-Warriors game is going on right now. The first game of the ESPN-Marvel crossover. And Eric Bledsoe, it's, the score is 58-33. And Eric Bledsoe is a minus 20. <laughs> <laughs> and I just saw a tweet that said, Giannis won MVP twice with Eric Bledsoe on his team. First ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Eric Bledsoe has not been good since he was on a bad Suns team. Yeah, true. No, well, okay. Remember that first uh, iteration of that Suns team where it was Isaiah Thomas, Bledsoe, and Dragic? Yeah, where they had like 10,000 point guards in the starting lineup. It was him. It was him, Isaiah Thomas, and Brandon Knight. Oh, yeah, Brandon Knight. And Dragic. Who are they guarding? (laughs) Run them on the floor at the same time. Their average is like 6'2". Yeah, that got a Jeff Hornacek another job. <laughs> oh my God, what are you doing? Do you do you think you're Nelly in the in hey, the nineties? They, they won forty eight games that year. They were they were a good team, man. They, I liked watching that Suns team. I'm not gonna let you besmirch, you know my. I'm not gonna <laughs> let you besmirch my Phoenix Suns like that. My 2013-14 Phoenix Suns. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Having brought up that Brandon Knight, for some reason, always, I always feels like he's twenty two. Yeah, he he's one of those. Uh, I don't think Brandon Knight was on that team. By the Is way, he? no, it was it was definitely Bledsoe, Thomas, and Drogic for sure. Um, Where Brandon? Let me see, Brandon Knight. This is how we end the Bob guys. We're searching up Brandon Knight's basketball reference. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the sun. Here's the 2014-15 Suns. Yeah, no, he was in Milwaukee that year. <clears throat> he got nah, traded here. to he got traded to the Suns the next year, the 14-15 season. I'm yeah, talking- so here's 14-15 was Bledsoe, Knight. Okay, yeah, so they're all yeah, the at that they- point. Thomas was gone. Yeah, they cleared out the backlog at that point. Okay. Yeah, because. Th- well, yeah, because remember that I think it was the fourteen or fifteen deadline, but that deadline was fucking wild. It had there was like forty seven trades or some shit like that that happened that day, and Thomas and uh and Thomas and Drogic were um two of them that dipped. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna let you besmirch my twenty thirteen fourteen sons, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, the. I will put Brandon Knight on that list of uh, NBA players that don't age. He's right up there with Rudy Gay and, and Thaddeus, Thaddeus Young. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was gonna Thaddeus Young was a, immediately who came to mind. <laughs> Thaddeus Young and Rudy Gay are on that list for me. Yep. Pretty soon <laughs> um, it's gonna be Demar Derozan because I think he. I still think he's twenty nine or twenty eight. Yeah, on that list for sure. Um, even D'Angelo Russell is getting to the point where he's no longer a young player. Yeah, Demar Derozan's thirty one years old. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, at what, at what point do we stop calling? Uh, D'Angelo Russell, a young, a young player. player. <laughs> as long as I need to for him to be a successful player, <laughs> so I can get, so people can get their takes right. <laughs> oh man! Or like here, like I'm looking through the, I'm looking through like lists of players now, just looking at like guys that I'm going. They've been in here for, they've been young forever. <laughs> yeah, they've been. <laughs> like, damn, you've been, you've been 27 for a minute now. <laughs> Zach Levine, like, how how long has Zach Levine been? 20, 25. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. That's the other thing too. Like, some of these one. That's the whole other thing with the one and dones. Just like <clears throat> the age is definitely it throws you off. It throws you for a loop for sure. Yeah, dude. Like, look, Zach Levine. I feel like I've heard Zach Levine as a young prospect for like. Six years. And at and what he, point does he stop being turned, a young? And he turned twenty six in March. <laughs> but he, he turned twenty six in March. But he's been in the league for seven years. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you. I mean, did shit. Look at Andrew Wiggins too. Oh my God! You're right. Like I think I think Andrew. No, Zach Levine. Yeah, Zach Levine was twenty fourteen. Also, like I think Andrew Wiggins is twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah, he's twenty six. Like that twenty. 20- draft was weird that 2014 is draft is weird i'm i'm actually uh that might be one of my more controversial videos when i get to it uh but i'm gonna do like a redraft i i have well, a reach of the 2014 I, draft i'm embarrassed to say how on board the andrew wiggins train i was yeah i was too i was <laughs> i was so an Embiid guy first and foremost i i will say that and um, I, I would, I, because every time I watched Kansas, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like learning on the fly, like, uh, yeah. like the, the rate that he was processing and picking things up and coming up with something new the next game was incredible. I mean, Embiid couldn't shoot or, you know, did, had, was, looked clunky his first few games. Like you could tell the talent was there. And then by like the middle of the season, he's dream shaking people, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, just stay healthy, <laughs> you know. And uh, uh, unfortunately, that's still what I'm saying right now. <laughs> dude, it's it's crazy thing, but dude, like, I've just I've never seen someone in college that had the bounce that Wiggins had. Remember, I'd say remember Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, I think, takes the cake like, for me. To me, it's it was the it was not just the, it was the bounce and the quickness and like just the you could just see the he was just oozing athleticism. Yeah, you could see it. Yeah. No, yeah. I was high on Wiggins too. I was like, this guy could be a two way player. Like, we were so wrong. We were so yeah. wrong. I also felt that way about <laughs> this is more embarrassing. I felt that way about Michael Kidd Gilchrist. <laughs> I loved MKG, dude. I, was, I, I was loved a- MKG. Michael K. Gilchrist guy. I was like, this dude plays his ass off. He could play multiple positions. I don't care that his elbow is in front of his face sideways <laughs> when he shoots. I I don't care. <laughs> It'll the shot will be fixed. And I thought Trey Burke was going to be an all star. 
So did I. I love Trey Burke. I love Trey Burke at Michigan. <laughs> I thought he was going to be an all-star for sure when the Jazz – yeah, I think he got drafted by the Jazz. Yeah, when the Jazz took yeah. him, I was like, they got their point guard of the future. Um, but a weird, weird one, and this is like a deep cut. I don't even know if he'll know this one. Did you – so when you watched that that finals where Michigan – the Michigan-Louisville finals, hmm. Trey Burke got toasted – and the person that was toasting him was, was a guy named Peyton Siva. Yeah, Peyton Siva. I was going to say Peyton Hillis, but that's the Giants thought, running back. But Peyton Siva. Peyton was going to be a beast. Peyton, Peyton Siva, Russ Smith was on that team yeah. too. Um, I thought Peyton Siva was going to be the beast. And now he, he played like one year NBA, but then he went to Europe. I, I have to say, I didn't have a Peyton Siva take. I thought he was too small. Like, I, I guess I kind of, I was oh, like, yeah, oh, he's, he's a good small. player. But, but I on, was, on Louisville, I like, but this guy, I like this guy's got the moves. He can shoot. He's like, <laughs> he's got this swag to him. I like it. And I thought Russ Smith had a better chance over Peyton. <laughs> but oh my goodness, yeah, Oh, yes. Uh, bringing up old draft takes, I love it. <laughs> Dude, I was so in on Peyton Siva. You have no idea. Peyton Siva. Because I remember, I remember, I was real high on Trey Burke. Yep, and then I remember I, yep. watching. I remember watching that, like watching the tournament, and I was like, "Man, this Peyton Siva guy." And then I was just looking through, like old Peyton Siva highlights, and I was like, "Man, this guy's a beast." I was like, "I'm all in on this guy." <laughs> <laughs> I do remember Peyton Siva. I did not think he was a draft prospect, unfortunately. <laughs> That's why I'm like, when you said Peyton Siva, I was like, "Oh my god, that Louisville team!" <laughs> was it that? That was the team. That was that was when. Uh, I have to look it up now, but that was the team where kevin where yeah that was the same tournament run right i think it was the year after that the year after that yeah but he was on that team the guy that broke his leg right yeah it was in 2013 is when it happened when was trey burke drafted leg i think 2014 so it could be the year before yeah it was no it was the 2013 draft that was the same run the same tournament run because he broke his leg against duke i remember that and um that was the same tournament run Oh my goodness! Yeah, here it was. Oh, wait, are you watching oh. the video? <laughs> there's, a, there's a gif of it. Oh, okay, but yeah, the Peyton Siva, man. Oh I, I my goodness! Did not think we would be talking <laughs> about him at the end of this podcast, but you never know. Here at the Box Out Banter po- Podcast, aka the Big Baller Brand Podcast, <laughs> Long Boy Podcast, Long Boy Podcast. <laughs> All right, guys. Sure. Uh, we'll we'll end it off there, and uh, thank you all for watching and listening to us babble about random NBA prospects that no one cares about. <laughs> and, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. The Bob Triple B. Thank you.